Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Well, good morning. Today is the last message in our series called To God Be the Glory. Subtitle, actually, if you want to say a subtitle, was Overcoming, overcoming the Weaknesses of our flesh, overcoming the weaknesses, because we know that as we overcome our weaknesses, then God gets more glory from our lives, which is what we want, to glorify him. We're going to go to Genesis. Let's go there. Chapter thirty-eight, thirty-nine. But while you hold your place there, if you have a Bible, but if you're on the screen, I'm going to go first to 2 Corinthians 5, 7. This is a, a memorization scripture, actually. And I'm sure probably after the day you already have it memorized, if you don't have it memorized already. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. So it's a scripture memorization. Um, now, the, the, the thing is that not only do we want to memorize it, but we want to do it. It's, it's important that we walk by faith. We walk by trust in God and not what we see. And sight actually in the Greek means external appearances, what appears to be, what it seems like. We don't walk by what we think it is, by what we see is looking like. We walk by faith. So as we are studying uh, the rest of parts of Joseph, and his brothers, let's remember that. So now we're in Genesis chapter 39. We're going to go where we left off at last. Last week was verse, we're going to start at verse 19. Now it came about when his master heard the words of his, of his wife. And you remember he had already now uh, turned her down so many times about laying with her. And he, she grabbed him and he ran and she held on to his cloak and it, um, she held that. So she tells her husband about this. She says, this is what your slave did to me. And his anger burned Joseph's master. Verse 20. So Joseph, Joseph's master's master took him and put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the jail. But 
verse 21. The Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer committed to Joseph. Joseph charged all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not concern himself with, and he didn't supervise anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. Now, that is a familiar story, isn't it? We heard that before, didn't we? We heard it when, of course, um, he was in part of his house. God did the same thing. And so the title of our message is God is able to get you where he wants you. He's able to get you where he wants you. And, and so uh, I, I believe that God wants us to be so built up and so, um, I guess, so in such a realization that God can do anything. We say it, of course. We said nothing is impossible for God. We say that God is good. We say, how often is God good? All the time, right? All the time. We say those things. And he wants us to live it out in reality. We know that God loves us. We know that God is love. We know that. Because you've heard this so many times. God is love. And we know our our vision is to love God and to love all people. And so love is what we are supposed to be all about. And the first thing is to love him. And so he's saying, I want you to walk this out. Do you realize that I love you? How many people would die for us? I mean, somebody might happen to die for a good man, maybe, the scripture says. Uh, but would you die for a person who hates you? Would you die for a person who uh, really doesn't want anything to do with you? Would you die for a person alienated with, against you? Would you die for a person like that? No. But God, when we were yet sinners, died for us. And he said, if, now, if, if we... If we if he died for us, how much more that type of love will he, he give us all things that pertain to life and godliness? How much more would he do that? We, 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 we can say all those scriptures, but actually do we walk these scriptures out? And that's what this message, ending message, is us, encouraging us to do. Let's walk out what we profess to believe. Let's walk out what we know the scripture says. Let's walk out what we know God has done. Let's walk out what we sing about. And we had that beautiful song about the faithfulness of God, right? And he is faithful, isn't he? 
How about if we are not faithful to him? Is he faithful to us? Absolutely. And Minerva gave that testimony of someone that wasn't faithful to God, but God was still faithful. We know that from uh, what uh, you said uh, in reply that the thief on the cross, God was faithful. And that man didn't live a, a godly life, but he cried out to God, remember me and God today. You'll be with me in paradise. So, so God is faithful. But we wonder sometimes, can God get us to where I believe God wants me? Can God get me there? Because I believe God has put something powerful in me. I think God has put something, some anointing in me. And don't we say those things? And we know it's true. Don't we know it's true? Because that unction is within us. And that unction in the Greek means the anointing is in us. And why is that anointing in us? Because the Holy Spirit is in us. If we're born again, we know that the, we have the Holy Spirit living in the, inside of us. God with us, Emmanuel. We know that he is anointed. So therefore, as we yield our life to him, of course, we are anointed. And we feel that um, we might not be using all the things that we could use because, after all, God has given us gifts. Everybody gifts. He's given us gifts. And sometimes we feel like, well, I'm not using my gift like I know I should use my gift, like I want to use my gift because this person who I'm under, they're not using me like I think I need to be used. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah. 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 I've, I've said it. So I'm, I'm sure other people have said it. But we know that, and that's what I want to leave you with today, is that God is able to get you to where he wants you regardless of circumstances, regardless of what you hear, regardless of what you see, regardless of what you think, because a lot of times we sometimes think that God can't use us. He can't use me. You know, I've done so many things wrong. I know he's not going he's not going to use me. God will get you where he wants you to be. And that's the story of the rest of uh, about Joseph is that we know that Joseph had dreams. And we know that his brothers didn't like him because he was a dreamer. And he said his brothers are going to bow down to him in, that, in, in essence. And that his mother and father and brothers are going to bow down to him. This was a dream. And then, as we remember what we've taught, is that here you have Joseph being sold to the Ishmaelites. And he's doing good. Then he's accused of rape. 
attempt to rape. And he's thrown in prison. Now, we don't ever hear of Joseph recalling his dreams during this time. During the time he's he's sold. During the time he's in Potiphar's house. Can you imagine the language difficulty? Because we know he wasn't trained at a young age in the Egyptian language. But he was there. He had to learn the language, which I'm sure was difficult for him at 17 years of age. And I'm sure if God wanted us to know, he would have said, even though Joseph, brothers, sold him, he was going away saying, well, see you later, brothers, but I'll probably see you again because you remember my dream? He didn't say that. When Potiphar's wife accused him and her husband, Potiphar, threw him in, in, in jail, he didn't say, well, that's okay, God's with me because it's just another step towards me ruling. He didn't say that either. But this is going on all the time. See, we think that because our circumstances say this, what God has planned for us, us cannot happen. Can't happen. And I want to tell you, remind you, that whatever God has planned for you, that's what actually, you know, like destiny, you're destined to do this right here. Um, if God has destined you to do something or be something, you're going to be that. You're going to be that because he is able to get you to where he wants you to be. He's able. No man can keep you from getting where God wants you. Women, no husband can keep you from getting where God wants you. I don't care how much he tries to keep you uh where he wants you to be, vice versa. You know, man, no woman can keep you from being what God wants you to be. Children, you know, I think we have some teens in here probably, young ones. Um, your parents can't keep you from being what God wants you to be. Okay. No situation can keep you from being what God wants you to be. Church of the living God, no administration, whether it be uh, the federal government, the, the, the government in Virginia, the government in Lynchburg, no government, I don't care what they believe, can't keep the church from being what God has called the church to be. 
when we know that and we walk that out, see, the knowledge tends to give us more wisdom. Because that's what we want. We want knowledge, but we want wisdom. We want understanding. We want prudence. We want discretion. We want all those things the Proverbs says. But see, once we know that, I don't care who the president is. He can't keep the church down. He's not going to throw it out. The Satan can't do that. He can't do anything. He can only do what God allows him to do in the time God allows him to do it. That's the only thing he can do. So, if you think that you're supposed to be a little bit more than you are now, then you need to believe God. He'll get you there. He'll get you there. And I know that there's been so many people I've taught, so many people I've coached through the years that, that their background, their environment that they grew up in, that they thought they were at a disadvantage because of the environment they grew up in, and they are not going to be able to be what they have in their heart they want to be. They, they, they grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, had the wrong uh, parents, didn't have enough money, whatever the situation is. Because sometimes your environment can affect you, but it can't hold you back from being what God has called you to be. It can't. It's just another obstacle. Another obstacle. God can get you where he wants you to be. We have to walk by faith and not by sight. That's what we have to do. And so uh, I enjoy uh, reading about Joseph for the umpteen time and teaching on it again. And, and the thing is that God gives us different things, different times. And so I said, well, God, I want to end this message just like you want to end it. And this is what he's given me to do. And so let's look at chapter, let's look at Genesis 40. And let's look at the first verse. Here is Joseph in prison. Everything that happens in that prison, he's the man because God has given him favor. Then it came about after these things, the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was furious with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. But he put them in confinement. So he put them in, in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard. In the jail, the same place where Joseph was imprisoned. So we see that uh, the chief, the, 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 the bodyguard, the captain of the bodyguard, what was his name? Potiphar. Potiphar put Joseph in, in jail, but the jail is in his house, in the dungeon. 
And here comes two more high officials. The cup, the cup barrel is a high official. The baker is a high official. The king, he, he wants everything tasted before he's going to drink it or eat it. These are high officials. The captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them. And he took care of them. I said, what? Now, you remember all these tests we talked about. Can you believe that this man, after Joseph served him, and after everything started prospering, everything started prospering in Potiphar's house, that he believes his wife, he has to, or else he's going to be in trouble. He's going he to need, you know, uh, somebody to be uh, a cup bearer because uh, you, you got to listen to your wife. And so he said, I got to put you here, Joseph. He puts him there. But then he comes to say, hey, Joseph, these are high officials. I want you to take care of them while they're in, in, in jail. Now, I know you'll probably do the same thing as Joseph did. He took care of them. But I know that it's probably somebody just like me who said, you want me to take care of them after what you did to me, after what I, all I've been doing for you? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. They're in jail. Let the jailer take care of them. I'm not going to take care of them. But see, Joseph is nice. He said, I'll take care of them. I'll take care of them. Now, then both of them had, of course, dreams. And they didn't have an interpretation of their dream. So Joseph saw their counsel was down, and he said, tell me, what's going on? And they said, well, we had a dream. Uh, we don't know what it means. He said, well, tell me your dream. And so he, uh, the cupbearer told him his dream, and uh, Joseph interpreted the dream. And the chief baker, he said, man, that's a good, that's a good interpretation. Let me tell you my dream. And he told him his dream. But his dream didn't end so well. <laughs> uh, Joseph said, you're going to be hanged. Uh, so let's, let's pick it up in verse 23 of the same chapter. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. And, of course, you, you've read the story, and if you haven't, please read it, because it's a, it's a good story. Um, and, and Joseph had given him the good dream, said, hey, you're gonna be, you, your head's going to be lifted up, and the king's going to put you right back in as uh, the chief cupbearer. And so he said, but you know, I want you to remember me when you get out. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Chapter 41, verse 1. Now, it happened 
at the end of two full years, is God able to get Joseph where he wants him to be? Now, Joseph probably thought, well, my goodness gracious, God's at work. I gave him a good dream, and the dream came to pass. Now, what, what the interpretation came to pass? Oh, my goodness gracious, it, it's, it's, it's good. He's going to remember me. Two four years. Two four years. What do you think he's thinking? Oh, it doesn't matter about the years because I know that my father, my mother, my brothers, they don't bow, they're going to bow down to me. Sooner or later, I know it's going to happen. Has he said that yet? No. Mm-mm. No. Verse 8. Now, it came about in the morning that his spirit was troubled. So he sent and called for the Magician, magicians, and um, also his wise men, because see, Pharaoh now had a dream, and he wants to this interpretation, but nobody could do it. And then, oh my goodness gracious, the cupbearer said, "Oh my goodness gracious, oh I forgot. Hey, Pharaoh, this is what what happened. I was in jail, and and you, you know I deserve to be there and everything, and and so." What happened was this, this, this Hebrew youth, he take, told me the interpretation. And also the, the, the um, baker told him the interpretation. And one, he restored back to his, his office. And the other one, hanged. He said, so this, this person, he can interpret dreams. So, of course, Pharaoh calls for him. Verse, that's verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent for and called for Joseph, and they hurried and brought him out of, out of the dungeon. And when he had shaved himself and, and changed his clothes and everything, then he stood before the king. And, of course, he told him the interpretation. Of course, the, the, you know, he had to tell him the dreams and everything, and, and he told him the interpretation and all those type of things. And he said, okay, uh, you need to put somebody that's wise over this thing because the famine is going to be it's going to be pretty bad. It's going it's the famine. You're not going to even remember good times because the fam, famine is going to be so bad. And that was the dream, of course. Uh, it's going to eat up all the good good years um, that that you had, had 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 good. So you better store away things. So he, he said, put put some out over. And and of course, the Pharaoh said, "Who is better than this man?" And everybody agreed with him, so they put Joseph over, and nobody raised their hand or their feet in Egypt unless Joseph said so, because he was the second one in charge. And uh, Pharaoh gave him his signet ring, and uh, so Joseph now is in charge of everything except the throne. But still, it hasn't said. Not yet. It hasn't said anything about, well, praise God. I'm finally over all this stuff I've been going through. And he said that by naming his children uh, uh, names that meant that. But he still didn't say, praise Lord, I, I, it's on the way. The dreams I had, it's on the way. 
Somehow my, my father, mother, my brother, somehow they're going to get here and somehow they're going to bow down. I know it's coming to true. Is, is that say it yet? No. I don't think he's thinking that way at all. No, no, not, nothing at all. See, I don't think he's thinking that God can get him to where he needs to be. I don't think he thinks that dream is about, uh, it, maybe, maybe it was pizza. I don't know. Uh, but regardless, it was not. In his mind that this dream is coming to pass at this time. He's just happy and, and he's just thanking God that, man, I'm the second one in charge here. And he's he, he's thinking he's going to live and die in Egypt and never see his parents again. But God is at work, as the song said, even if you don't see it, he's working. Even if you don't feel it, he's working. Even if you don't think it, he's working. God is working. It, it, can, it can be like, like a, um, uh, underground of a high rise building and then is water is steadily going. It's underground. Nobody sees it. But it's flowing. It's eroding the current, the, the, the foundation. But sooner or later, it's shown and it falls because water will erode anything. God is at work causing his word to come to pass in your life, in your children's lives, in your family-to-be lives, He's at work. He's at work. Can we believe it today? Can we believe it without, you know, uh, I know, I know that we, we, we wouldn't definitely say, no, I can't believe it. Ah, uh, Pastor, I can't believe that, brother. You know, you can talk all you want to, but you don't know my circumstances. And my circumstances, no, 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 it's not going to happen. I want you to believe it. I know you're not going to say it. But I want you to believe it. I want you to believe it, that God can get you where he wants you to be in spite of what you see, in spite of what you feel, in spite of what you think, in spite of your surroundings, in spite of who your parents were, in spite of your job you have now, in spite of your income, in, in spite of whether you're on welfare, in spite of whether your parents are on welfare. I don't care what it is, God can get you where he wants you to be. He can do that. Let's go over to the last chapter, 4 to 5 here. Last chapter I want to hit with. Chapter 4 to 5, let's go to verse 5. Let's end with these uh, four verses. Verse 5 of chapter 4 to 5. Now do not be grieved are angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Actually, they didn't sell him. They, well, they did sell him. They, they, they did sell him, but not there. They sold him to the Ishmaelites, and the Ishmaelites sold him to Potiphar. For God sent me before you to preserve life. 
That sounds so spiritual, doesn't it? But we know that he didn't start realizing that until he saw his brothers. When his brothers came and he recognized them, but they didn't recognize him, he spoke harshly to them, and they bowed down to him, and he said, the scripture says he remembered the dream. He remembered the dream. That's when he remembered the dream when he saw his brother and then bowed him down. You see. Verse 6. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing or harvesting. At this time, Joseph is 39 years old at this time. That's a long time. That's a long time. How was it when he, when he uh, got to Egypt and was sold to Potiphar? 17. Now he's 39. Wow. Wow. God doesn't want us to give up. He does not want us to give up because what he has said to you, what he has uh, impressed to you about what he has for you, just because it hasn't happened, just because it's been a long time, just because you're getting older, it doesn't mean that what he said is not going to come to pass. God sent me, verse 7, before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by great deliverance or great deliverance. Now, therefore, verse 8, it was not... You who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house, household, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. So he passed his test. I don't care, I want to end with this, I don't care what your situation is as far as, um, you know, I have no account, as I've been reading different places, I have no account of what was going on with these brothers. But I know that they had changed by the time this come to pass. Because as you read, Judah was saying, hey, uh, don't, you keep us as your slaves. Keep us as your slaves because we can't go back without um, Benjamin. We can't go back without him. The cup was in his, 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 his bag, but keep all of us. 
If we go back without Benjamin, our fathers are going to die. So keep us all. He said, no, I can't, I can't do that. can't do that. Judah had changed because Judah was the one saying, hey, let's take him out of the pit. Let's sell him. Judah was the one that did that. His brothers has changed. God can change us even if we're not trying to change. God can cause circumstances and situations that will change. God is, is sovereign. He's the instrument of, of using situations and everything else to get you where you want to, where he wants you to be. So even though you might not want to change, he'll start changing. And so I said, this is, this is great. This is great. Let me end with one more scripture. Uh, in, in Psalm uh, 105, it tells the account of, of Joseph. Verse 15, verse 16 through 19, it says, Moreover, he called for it. I'm, I'm reading out of the Amplified Classic. It says, Moreover, he called for a famine upon the land of Egypt, he cut off every source of bread. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold as a servant. 18. His feet, they hurt with feathers. He was laid in chains of iron. And his soul entered into the iron. So it's telling how, how Joseph felt going to Egypt after his brothers sold him to Ishmaelites. Then it says this that I, I want, you to, want you to remember them. Until his word, and in parentheses it says, to his cruel brothers, came true until the word of the Lord tried, in parenthesis, refined. What does refined mean? It, 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 it purifies, doesn't it? It purifies. To his, it says, until the word of God tried or purified or refined and tested him. So Joseph had to be tested. Joseph had to be refined in order for God to bring this thing a pass. And so we have to be tried. We have to be refined. We have to do what God, only God can do to bring us to the point where we're supposed to be, bear much fruit. Then he can bring things to pass which he, he has for you and for me. And so during that process, refining process, if, we, if gold, gold could talk, gold would probably say, why are you heating me up? Right? But we know that's the only way gold is going to be refined, isn't it? The, 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 the impurities come to the top, they scrape it off, and you have pure gold. See, we don't want to be refined. We don't want to be purified. We don't want heat. We don't want 
things that all these situations are come about. But that's what God wants to use to bring us to the point where I can bring to pass now what I've spoken on this, this person, what I've spoken on that person. I said, oh, man, God, I don't like the refining process. I hate the refining process. I don't like heat. I like I like it around 70 degrees year round. I don't want it cold. I don't want it hot. We are like that, aren't we? But God is saying, hey, I got you in the refining process. I don't care what it is, what y'all are going through. God has you. He has you. And he's going to bring you through. Okay? If you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, know that that's the only way you're going to get to where he wants you to be. He wants you with him. I don't care if it takes, like the thief on the cross, whether it takes, like Spencer, uh, Minerva testified, I don't care. He wants you with him. He doesn't want, hell was not meant for human beings. So therefore, stay in the process. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give in. We're going to have a communion now, receive communion, and Joshua is going to lead us in communion. God is good, and uh, by his grace, he's um, always faithful, and he works in mysterious ways. And talking about the faithfulness of God, when we read the scriptures from the book of Second Corinthians, chapter 5, going through the last few verses, the 15 to the end, which is 21, he says, um, if anybody's in Christ, he has become a new creation or a creature, all things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. And to the end, he says, uh, He made him who knew no sin to become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus Christ, who knew, who knew no sin, God made him to become sin so that he would be put on a cross, that we can call on him, on Jesus Christ, on what he has done, to be accepted by God. And um, as pastor has been preaching for the past month, he's been talking about the faithfulness of God and for us to bear much fruit. And if you would please open your Bibles with me to the book of John, chapter f- uh, 15, the verse 1 to 8. John 15, verse 1 through 8. 
And um, this is Jesus Christ with his disciples after he had gathered them together. He was getting ready to be put on the cross for salvation for all mankind, every people, as we say, love God, love all people. Jesus gathered them together and he taught the disciples a lot of things. And these are some of the things he taught them in the room before um, having this, what we're about to do, communion, that is Jesus sharing the fruit of the juice of the grape and also the bread to have the communion. Chapter 15, verse 1 through 18. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. And we cannot bear much fruit without abiding in Christ. We cannot bear much fruit without relying on Christ. He has instructed us to do so many things in the Bible, but whatever thing the Bible has told us and whatever thing the Holy Spirit puts in our hearts to do, we have to always do it by relying on God because without him, we can do nothing. So Paul, when he was teaching the, um, the Corinthians and basically Christians, he turned. He wrote a letter to them in the book of First uh, Corinthians. If you would please join me, there, First Corinthians, chapter eleven, the verse uh, twenty-three through twenty-nine. Um, I'm just gonna go ahead and read the verse twenty-seven through twenty-nine, and then we come back through the twenty-three, twenty-six, and that's it's a reminder for us to um, go through taking this um, communion. The 27, Paul, after teaching them what to do, said, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, not descending the Lord's body. Jesus Christ has become the, um, the sacrificial lamb. He has become the atonement, uh, as he said, prop- pro- uh, be the replacement for us. But uh, we cannot take what he has done lightly, knowing that God does forgive our sins, but we shouldn't take what Christ has also done lightly and live any way we want. So he's saying before we take this communion, which is basically we are having, we are having a feast with God, though you might be a small cup if you have in your hands. But before God, it's like having a feast with him, and he's always welcoming you towards him. And because he's holy, 
he will want us to be clean before we sit with him at his table. So before we go through taking the bread and the wine, we just take a few minutes, and if there's any unconfessed things, things that in your heart you know is between you and God that you would, that has to be, you have to be right with God. Let's just take a few minutes, um, just a minute, pray, be right with God before we go in and have this feast with the Lord. So if you could please bow your heads where you are individually, if there's anything you would like to confess to the Lord, or even if there's anything you would like to do more for the Lord, you can call on him at this moment before we take this bread and wine. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for being with us. We thank you for drawing us um, into your presence and being the replacement for our sins and giving us the chance to be always clean before you by calling on the name of Christ. Lord, we thank you that you've given us this as a reminder for us to know that, Lord, you are always calling us to commune with you. You're always calling us that wherever we are and whatever we are going through, you are ready and you have given Christ who knew no sin to become sin for us that we can always be right with you. Lord, bless this as we take. Let it go into our bodies. Give us the strength in our spirits to abide in you that we might yield more, more fruit in you. We thank you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. And may we please go ahead and take the bread. pray over the, this uh, juice which is a representation of the blood of Christ it is not the blood of Christ it's not, it's not physically the blood nor the bread physically the body but we do this in remembrance of him and we know that the blood of Christ has the power to redeem power to heal, power to strengthen us and as we take this where we believe and know that we are communing with, the, communing with the Lord and the blood will give us strength to live for him, the blood will Bring us healing in our spirits and also physically. Lord, we thank you for this and we pray that your blessing be over this. 
Let it get into our bodies. And Lord, accomplish that which you have purposed for. We thank you for your grace. And we thank you for bringing us to you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. And um, the Bible talks about the disciples with Christ um, singing a song, a hymn. If you would please uh, stand up and join me as we sing um, the first verse of Greatest Thy Faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not the compassion they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is the faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I had needed, thou hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Thank you, Joshua. If the prayer teams could come up. And again, a little reminder to uh, if, uh, if they have the opportunity to minister to someone this morning, that we give them a little space, a little quiet, so uh, they're not distracted or, uh, and the people looking for prayer can be comfortable. Before we leave, uh, we want to speak this word of blessing over you from number six. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434 847 Four seven nine six. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.